Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer, comedian, narrator, and host of The Jane Austen Podcast. Join me as we embark on a journey through Austen's timeless stories, starting with Pride and Prejudice. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, hello. Happy Friday, everybody. I hope we're all doing great this week. I had an absolutely fantastic birthday, and it is thanks to all of you for sending in your wonderful questions and for making this past week's full-length episode so enjoyable for me and hopefully for all of you as well. I've gotten some really great responses from people saying that they really enjoyed learning a little bit more about me, and I really enjoyed learning about you all through your questions. I really, really appreciated everything that everybody sent in to me. And actually on Patreon, because I felt like there were, you know, some gaps in my story, you know, along the way when I'm answering questions or when I'm talking about my personal experiences on the podcast. So I decided to do kind of like a little mini biography about myself that I put up on Patreon that I think is available for both tiers. I'm pretty sure for those of you who are just part of the Angry Feminist Book Club, you'll be able to access that. And it's for sure on the $8 Feminist Faves level. So if you're interested in learning a little bit more about me, that is available for you as well. And speaking of Patreon, so this month I am going to be covering The Wizard of Oz. It is going to be a very nice change because I was looking at some of the books that I've covered in the past. They've all been pretty heavy. A lot of it has involved sexual assaults, really, really heavy topics. So being that it is still my birthday month, The Wizard of Oz is my favorite book, and it does tie into feminism so much, I thought it would be fun to really do a deep dive on that book and that subject and things like that. I think that it won't just be something that I'm really going to enjoy, but something that hopefully you all will enjoy as well as I feel that there are so many people that grew up with this story. And there's so many other books and movies and other forms of media that have been inspired by the format of The Wizard of Oz. For example, Star Wars, think about it. Luke Skywalker is Dorothy. Chewbacca is 100% the Cowardly Lion. C-3PO is obviously the Tin Man, so on and so forth. But not only will you be able to catch all of that this month, there is also a backlog of, I believe, nine episodes on four different books that I've covered in the past, including Barracoon by Zora Neale Hurston, Women Talking by Miriam Taves, Still Learning by India Oxenberg, and most recently, Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit by Jeanette Winterson. So if you've been waiting to be able to binge some of these episodes, now is your time. And if you want to get a little bit of extra content, 
please feel free to join me on the Feminist Faves level on Patreon. You will get all of these episodes ad-free and just a little bit earlier than everybody else. If you see that as being a perk, you will also automatically be a part of the Angry Feminist Book Club when you join the Feminist Faves tier as well. So to join, go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist or go to the link in the show notes to join today. It's a great way for you to be able to support the show and to get a little bit of extra content as well. I also would really love to hear from all of you if there's anything else that you want me to put up on Patreon that you want to see, that you want to hear, that will draw more of y'all in. What do you want? I'm here for you. Okay, I think that's all the boring stuff that I had to get out of the way. And again this week, I'm really just going to be covering one topic because as I was taking notes, I realized I had more and more and more to say about this. And I really want to kind of flush it out, talk about it, because it is something that has been discussed very heavily, especially on social media this week. It's something that I've made comments about on my personal and on the podcast Instagram pages. So I want to get into what went down this week with Jonah Hill's ex-girlfriend Sarah Brady releasing a lot of old text messages between the two when they were in a relationship. All right, so Sarah Brady is 25 years old, and she is a professional surfer and surf instructor, and she is the ex-girlfriend of actor Jonah Hill, who is aged 39. And I don't really think I even get into this in my notes, but this is jumping out at me right now that they have a 14-year age gap, which I'm not saying that all age gap relationships are unhealthy or manipulative, but just in what I've learned and also through my own experiences, I would say that it is more likely than not that there will be some sort of power imbalance, that if you're going to have a healthy relationship between someone who is much older or much younger than you, I think it's important to have that dialogue and that conversation about power and balance to make sure that no one in the relationship has the upper hand over another due to age or experience or anything like that. I didn't realize that Sarah was so young. I am a person who is 31 and still looks like they're in their early 20s. And Sarah, to me, looks like she's got to be in her 30s, not because she looks old or anything. She just kind of like carries herself as being this very confident, gorgeous woman, at least from my perspective when I was looking at pictures of her. I also don't think I realized that Jonah Hill was almost 40 years old, which I guess shouldn't surprise me, but he comes off as being much younger to me as well. But no, there is a 14 year age gap in this, which I think definitely plays into a lot of what we're going to be seeing in their conversations and things like that, even though it's not really mentioned at all in any of the articles that I've read. I do think that it is important to keep in the back of our minds to remember the power imbalance. And also there is another power imbalance in fame. Someone who, you know, is a literal household name like Jonah Hill may be more readily believed than someone who is not as in the spotlight as he is, as Sarah Brady. And that can be really, really intimidating to go up against in and after a relationship. So first and foremost, I applaud you, Sarah Brady, for your bravery. In the first series of screenshots posted to her stories on Instagram, she captions it, This is a warning to all girls. If your partner is talking to you like this, make an exit plan. Call me if you need an ear. 
Jonah seems to have wanted Sarah to remove any photos of herself on her page that he deemed to be inappropriate, aka showing too much skin. Like I said, Sarah is a surfer and surf instructor, so she doesn't wear a lot of clothing. She's wearing like swimsuits and bodysuits and things like that for her surfing content that she has on her social media page. So obviously, she's going to be a little bit more undressed than someone who is maybe not a surfer or surf instructor. I don't know, Jonah, let's think about this. Also, and I think I wrote this later down in my notes, but I'm going to mention it right now. Jonah like reached out to her through her DMs thinking she was hot in her pictures. So there's definitely going to be a double standard that you're seeing when I go through these conversations through texts. When she texted him confirming that she had removed the photos he asked her to, he responded, quote, good start, which even that made my skin crawl because it reminds me of when my evil ex would call me good girl or princess. Like, to this day, if someone's like, good girl, I feel like a dog. I don't feel like a human. Don't fucking say that to people. I hate it. Without even giving Sarah any chance to respond, he goes on in another text to say, you don't seem to get it, but it's not my place to teach you. Like, ugh. Like, no, it's not your place to teach her, and it's not your place to be telling her what to do anyways. And you are putting yourself in a place where you're trying to teach, but really manipulate the woman you're seeing. Again, without Sarah having made any response to these texts, he continues, I've made my boundaries clear. You refuse to let go of some of them, and you've made that clear, and I hope it makes you happy. This whole exchange really reminds me of my most recent ex, not my like super evil one, but my lesser evil one, who literally made me throw out every single journal I'd ever written from the time that I was like six years old writing in my Spice Girls journal all the way through... You know, at the time I was 21 or 22 years old, I literally threw away every journal that I had in my possession. And when I went back to Minnesota, I also collected all of those journals and threw them out because I had mentioned other people that I had been in relationships with or had feelings for in these journals. And my ex felt very, very intimidated by that. Before we were official, I had slept with somebody else and I didn't tell him because we weren't in a relationship yet. And he ended up reading a journal of mine where I said I felt really guilty about it because I did have really strong feelings for the person that I was starting to see and that I was in a relationship with by the time he read my journal. And he saw that as being cheating and convinced me that it was cheating even though we weren't together yet and I see it now for what it was but he was so hurt and so intimidated and made me feel so bad about what I'd done that I felt guilty for holding on to these journals and these things that mentioned other men in my life. I got rid of like Every letter that my high school boyfriend sent me, he left me this little like journal when we broke up that I had to throw away, rose petals that I had saved, little mementos from old dates, things like that that were just like, they weren't about me holding on to past relationships, but it's just past memories and things that are important to me or things that I want to be able to look back on in some way or another because it was an experience that I had in my life. And it's so frustrating to me. It's literally... Probably the biggest regret of my entire life is 
God, I'm going to start crying. It's throwing away every single one of my journals that I worked so hard on. But I couldn't see that at the time to stand up to him. So I did it. Getting back to Sarah and Jonah, it seems like Sarah was referring to having deleted three photos from her page, but asked Jonah if she could keep her, quote, best surfing video up, offering to change the cover image of the clip, to which Jonah replied, yes, one that isn't of your ass in a thong. The video in question, Sarah is seen wearing a one-piece bathing suit, so I don't know where Jonah is getting a thong from. And even she responded, not a thong, but K, to which he replied, I'm done. What a fucking baby. He continues, there's tons. I'm just going back the past month. You want to argue. I don't. He explained that when he said he was done, he meant he was done arguing about this. Well, then you shouldn't have started it. In another screenshot, he explains that, quote, surfing with men and posting, quote, sexual pictures violates his, quote, boundaries. He talks about her having, quote, boundaryless, inappropriate friendships with men, modeling and being friends with women who are in unstable places as being reasons that he doesn't want to be in a relationship with her. Apparently, the last profession that he'd want his partner to pursue is modeling, though she had already begun modeling before they started dating. She explained that because of Jonah's insecurities, she had to turn down jobs with brands that she really liked because she didn't want to make him uncomfortable. If all of you remember Jess from the stripping episode, I love her so much. She sent me this really funny meme when I was commenting on this situation on Instagram, and it says... Oh no, not Jonah Hill acting like a boyfriend who demands his stripper girlfriend stop stripping even though he met her as a stripper. It's the oldest trick in the book. Jonah texted Sarah that if she couldn't meet these boundaries, he was not the right partner for her. He says, quote, If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there will be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for a romantic partnership. This whole situation has caused a bit of an uproar on social media. Many people, <coughs> men, <coughs> are like, what? This guy is setting boundaries and she won't respect them. This is her fault. But thankfully, there are many others who see Jonah's behavior for what it is. Misogynistic, controlling, manipulative, and weaponizing therapy terminology. Sarah explained that she decided to share these texts for the sake of her own mental health. I can't imagine having dated someone super famous who is beloved by many and being asked about the relationship time and time again even after it ended and having to lie and not be honest about how hurtful and damaging the relationship was in order to kind of protect the other person. And she didn't want to have to lie anymore, and she shouldn't have to. She wrote, Sharing this publicly now because keeping it to myself was causing more damage to my mental health than sharing it could ever do. It's been a year of healing and growth with the help of loved ones and doctors to get back to living my life without guilt, shame, and self-judgment for things as small as surfing in a swimsuit rather than a more conservative wetsuit. And I'm sure there's still much more healing from this abuse ahead of me. She also wrote that she found it laughable that Jonah refers to himself as a feminist, calling him a misogynistic narcissist instead. She said, quote, I think fame can put people in an echo chamber of viewpoints, which can enable emotionally abusive behavior. I, for one, am incredibly glad and thankful that she came forward and that this conversation has started. One comment at the bottom of an article covering this story says, There's no reason to keep abuse private. You're under no obligation to protect the image of the person who hurt you. 
In light of this, I would like to say my abuser's name was Matt. I'm not comfortable giving a full name as this person still deeply scares me in many ways and I feel is possibly dangerous. But I also feel torn because the last time I saw him, he was with a younger looking woman who looked just like me when I was young and first being abused and manipulated by this person. I don't want him hurting other women and I hate to think that he probably has. I don't want his behavior to escalate because I would feel terrible if he hurt other women. I really hate that I still feel a lot of that fear and shame and guilt because I still feel like some of the people that knew both he and I in life either won't believe me or would be mad that I'm sharing negative things about this person. There is this fear of how it will reflect on you. And I feel like I never felt like it was important to share with the public in any sort of way this person's name because they are not super influential. They had this idea that they were going to be this movie star, director, photographer, whatever. And it doesn't seem like anything has quite panned out for him, but he's still living in L.A. I've seen him every now and again, and it really scares me to think about the way that he's treated other people after the way he's treated me and everything that I experienced. But anyways, this is not about me. This is about Sarah and Jonah. So let's continue. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash realm you can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything you might shop while working eating or even listening to this podcast and however you shop we all know and love the thrill of the hunt but do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals because Rakuten shoppers do with Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. 
Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Later on, I don't know if it was another day or just later that same day, she made another story post that said, I hope my ex has a daughter. Maybe she'll turn him into a real feminist. Jonah did recently become a father and I googled it and there is no mention of the child's name or gender or anything online. So I have no idea if he had a daughter or not, but... I do find it interesting that she decided to make these posts. I love a little bit of pettiness. You know what I mean? Like, I'm okay with it. But she went on to say that she did wait until Jonah's child had been born as to not add any more stress to himself or the child's mother during that time, which I appreciate. She also later added that, quote, emotionally abusive behavior often stems from one's own trauma and doesn't necessarily mean that the person displaying it is terrible, but at the same time, it doesn't mean it's okay. And there's also a lot of irony in this whole situation as well. And that's because Jonah Hill has been lauded by the media for being frank about his own mental health, especially after releasing a Netflix documentary earlier this year about his therapist called Stutz, which he directed and starred in. Last month, he launched a clothing brand that sells things like an emotional baggage tote and a hat embroidered with words, complete unrelenting control. The brand's website says it will be donating 3% of sales to mental health initiatives, which sounds low to me, but okay, and includes scholarships for future therapists. So he's kind of wanting to become this like therapisty guy, you know, man endorsing therapy for other men, which I fucking love. I think that everyone should be in therapy. I think more men in particular need to be in therapy because there has been such a stigma behind it for men for so long. But that doesn't mean we want you to weaponize it, honey. So let's talk a little bit about therapy speak, weaponizing it, what it is, how it should be used, so on and so forth. So According to the internet, therapy speak is a perspective language describing certain psychological concepts and behaviors. It's generally formal, and it might be language you pick up from a mental health professional. It might be from social media or a friend as well. I don't recommend listening to social media on how to use therapy terms. In other words, therapy speak is using words and phrases derived from professional clinical language and day-to-day interactions. I read a really great article on BuzzFeed, of all places, where they talked with two licensed therapists who, for the record, have not worked with either Jonah nor Sarah, where they break down a lot of what was said in the released text messages. Stephen Hirsch from the Relationship Suite, which is a counseling service in New Jersey and New York, said, Typically, when people are talking about boundaries, they're talking about things that they themselves will or won't do. In Jonah and Sarah's example, he is projecting his own boundaries for himself onto his partner, telling her what she can and cannot do, when really it's things that he is feeling uncomfortable with. Hirsch added, there's a hint that he's not using boundaries the way a clinician would. In its place, Hirsch says the term comfort level would have been more appropriate. It makes me uncomfortable when you post these things. Okay, let's talk about that. Why does that make you uncomfortable? And work through that together instead of blaming your partner and making them take things down and claiming that it's your boundary. 
from my own 20 or so years off and on of therapy, I've really learned the importance of using I statements. And I'm not saying I'm the best at this. I'm not great in an argument. I sometimes don't have the best communication skills. But I do have to remind myself that instead of saying, you made me feel this way, instead I'm supposed to say, I feel this way when you do this and open up a further conversation instead of blaming the other person and just making the whole situation worse. Matt Lundquist, clinical director of Tribeca Therapy, said, quote, It's not simply like this thing that I feel, but this is the thing that I feel, plus therapy has condoned this way of feeling. Boundaries functions as this extra layer of justification that in reality doesn't really have much meaning. I think it really doesn't have much to do with therapy, or at least with good therapy. Ouch. As far as therapy speak goes, he says that tools in the hands of a trained practitioner is very useful, but tools in the hands of an unskilled practitioner could be very dangerous. He said, so many of these terms are in the culture. Now it's gotten very easy for people to latch onto them, but still they are clinical tools with a very specific meaning and they can be either misunderstood or manipulated very easily in relationships. Lundquist stated that terms like self-care and trauma have been adopted into the popular lexicon in ways that can often differ from their initial therapeutic conception. He also added that it's important to remember the gender aspect of this particular situation with Jonah and Sarah. He says, Men having a certain set of ideas about women's bodies and the kind of relationships that women should have, and some men having the idea that they have the right, entitlement, and authority to stipulate that with the expectation that the women they're in a relationship with are going to comply. Here are some signs that a partner is being manipulative. They make dramatic statements. I thought you of all people would understand. Or, you're the only person I've ever loved. These statements are usually used, in my experience, when you're trying to leave. My abusive ex would always play the every woman in my life has abandoned me card every time I tried to leave him, and if that didn't work, he would threaten, saying something like, within a year I'll be happily married and you'll be miserable and alone without me. The guilt tripping he did, saying that I was abandoning him, was an example of playing the victim as well, which is another warning sign. If you're always the one in the wrong, in your partner's opinion, even if you feel wronged, they may be playing the victim, taking you out of your element. A big control tactic in any manipulative relationship, whether it be romantic between two people or in a group, is isolation. In my experience, this was bad-mouthing my friends and their love and support for me, blaming them whenever I had a come-to-Jesus moment about leaving this asshole, and would openly tell me who I was and was not allowed to communicate with, particularly when it came to guys. Keegan and I were really, really close friends when I was dating this person, and I would talk to her and be like, you know, I don't want to be in this relationship, I feel terrible, And she would support me and talk me through it. And then when I would go and talk to Matt about these things, he'd be like, this is Keegan talking. This isn't you. And I'd be like, no, this is me. (laughs) My friend is just validating me and you're being a dick. Like he hated Keegan and all of my other friends so much because they saw him for who he was. Also, do you only ever go to their preferred hangout spots? Do you only ever spend time with their friends in their environment? This was also very real for me. I would be called over to his place at any hour, expected to come over, or else be berated on the phone, no matter what I was doing, and we very rarely spent time in my spaces. They want you to prove your love, but do not reciprocate. 
A big statement here is, if you really loved me. If you ever hear that, please fucking run. This was also very much used when it came to sex and sexual situations in my former relationship, saying things like, this is what adults do, or this is what people in love do, or this is normal, get over it, when it came to things that I was uncomfortable with. He was also allowed to sleep with and date with as many women as he wanted and would come tell me about all of his experiences, but if I tried to form a relationship with someone else, he was suddenly totally devoted to me, sinking his claws into me further, bringing me back. Usually, he would manipulate me into sleeping with him, which would make me feel guilty, and I would stop seeing the guy who was better for me. A lot of the guys I was with knew that I would go back to Matt and knew how shitty he was, and they would get really mad at me for my bad decisions as well, and I would lose friends. Guilt is also a common feeling in someone who is being manipulated. The manipulator expressing displeasure about something you say or do, especially when trying to establish healthy boundaries, makes you end up giving in to them eventually to make the other person happy and relieve your own guilt. Emotional blackmail. This is when a partner makes you feel fear, obligation, or guilt for your boundaries and decisions, or may hang something over your head, like a secret you've shared, as a way of guilting you into doing things. And of course, gaslighting. Now, this is another one that I feel is way too overused and misused in popular culture. There are, of course, varying degrees of gaslighting. There are misunderstandings that people perceive as gaslighting. So in my opinion, it's the best to speak with a professional or at least get like a second and third opinion before overusing these terms and others like it. With certain terms like triggered, gaslighting, and toxic, when they're misused and overused, it takes away from the validity of someone who has truly experienced some of these things. It takes away from believing a victim and things like that. So just be sure that we are using this terminology correctly. And also, no, you are not triggered because your barista used 2% milk instead of oat milk in your latte. And another one, you try to ignore your gut, but you gotta listen to that bitch. If you get that gut feeling that something isn't right or that you persistently end up doing things that you don't want to do, you may be ignoring your feelings to convince yourself that whatever it is, is okay. Here are a few other signs. You walk on eggshells. You begin to question your sanity or mental health. Covert or overt threats. Silent treatment. Love bombing. And passive aggressive behavior. But why do people manipulate? According to psychcentral.com, It could have to do with a certain personality disorder. The person may have been raised in a home where manipulation tactics were used. They may have poor communication skills, or they're using it as a defense mechanism. They may have an anxious attachment style, or they may fear losing control or being judged. However, none of this makes it okay. How to leave a manipulative partner. Levels of manipulation and abuse varies among situations, so it's important to assess your level of safety. In some cases, leaving a manipulator may just take a few uncomfortable words. But for many, though, the controlling behavior will persist during and after the breakup and can become threatening. According to Psychology Today, if your partner is controlling, then even if they have never been physically violent with you before, there is a real risk that the anger and grief over a breakup or the feeling of loss of control could push them over the edge. Here's some advice from my own experience. Do not try to leave them in private, but if you must, have someone waiting outside for you. Do not let them into your space, and do not enter theirs if possible. Do not be alone with them, under any circumstances. Document your concerns, be open with friends and loved ones, and if you feel it's needed, contact law enforcement for extra protection. It's also important to have a plan. 
It may feel uncomfortable coming forward to your loved ones about what's going on, especially if you've been covering or making up excuses for your partner. It can be embarrassing to admit that you've been abused or manipulated, but it is so important to create ties with trustworthy people during the time of leaving so that you have that extra support around you. Always reach out when you get even an inkling of a need for support. Again, trust your gut. It's also very easy to be manipulated back into the relationship once you've left. I left numerous times before finally completely leaving Matt. I ended up having to change my phone number and block him everywhere, stop seeing any mutual friends, and isolate myself a lot from my former life in order to protect myself. You've been manipulated into believing that abuse is love for so long that it's easier than one wants to admit to fall back into the trap. But keep trying, keep following through, and keep listening to your gut. If you or someone you know is in an abusive relationship, please contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline, which is open 24-7 at 800-799-7233, or text START, S-T-A-R-T, to 88788 for help. And if you or someone you know is experiencing sexual assault, please contact RAIN, the National Sexual Assault Hotline, at one 800 656 Four six seven three, or chat with someone online at online dot rain r a i n n dot org. That live chat and hotline is also available twenty four seven. So for any of you who were legitimately triggered by the experiences of Jonah Hill and Sarah Brady and all of the text messages this week, hopefully this episode could be somewhat of a support to you. If you see yourself in a similar relationship, hopefully this is a wake-up call for you, and hopefully we can all better understand how to helpfully use the things that we have learned in therapy in our day-to-day lives and not use that to manipulate and abuse people instead. I hope that you were all okay with me just covering this one topic, but I just had so, so, so much to say about it. But if there's anything that you want me to cover next week, please email me at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com to give me any suggestions or DM me on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. I now have a Threads account. Fuck Twitter, never really used it, but I am on Threads sharing all of my random thoughts that pop into my head. So if you want to follow me there, it's also just your angry neighborhood feminist, the same as on Instagram. If you love me and you want to support the show, please go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show to give others that push to press play for the first time. If you use Spotify, you can also rate the show over there. And another brilliant way you can support me is by joining me at patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist or clicking on that Patreon link in the show notes for some extra content and some extra love. Alrighty, I think that's everything that I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening to another mini episode. With all of that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.